morning. You guys doing good? You still awake? You enjoying God? You about ready to enjoy some more of his word? Woo, it's good stuff. There is, there's nothing better than, than God's presence and him speaking to us in his presence. And I, that's what I love about God's word is it is a living word, right? It's living, it's active, it's able to, to pierce my heart. It's not just information. It's able to actually do something supernatural inside of me. And so I love that about God's word. And so I have the privilege and honor of sharing to you this morning um, the word of the Lord. And uh, I do have the word of the Lord. I, I have a, a passage I want to get to in just a second. Um, but I share with you guys all the time that even when I prepare a message, I come up here and it's like, whoop, and I do all this all the time. But even this week as I was preparing for this Sunday, I was kind of going in a direction. And Friday, God's like, whoop, no, nope, we're not going there, <laughs> Ryan. I'm like, okay. So here's, here's my little testimony of Friday. Um, hopefully, you're, I'm sharing this, but hopefully it relates to you in some way. Um, I came back late at night and I missed the opportunity to say goodnight to all of my family. They were all asleep. And so I missed the moment of kissing them, loving on them, praying with them. You know, um, I, I won't pick on who, um, but my youngest son, I, I'm not picking on him. Um, I love that he's not a teenager yet. And so he's still, not every night, but he still says, Dad, can you put me to bed? And I pretend like, oh, you're too old for that. And I pretend like I don't want to. And I'm like, I love it. I love it. I love that I still get to go into his room and pray with him and pray a blessing over him and maybe tell him a Bible story, do something with him. And so I love that. I love that. Uh, again, I won't pick on my kids, but uh, my favorite daughter. Um, uh, I, I love that she still comes at night before she goes to bed and she finds me wherever I'm at. If I'm outside, if I'm doing something, she just comes to give me a hug. Love you. Good night, Dad. She pursues me. She doesn't wait for me to go do something. And so I love that. I love that my kids do that. And I miss that moment. I miss the moment. I didn't get to say good night to my family. I woke up in the morning and my wife was up before me. And so I jumped in the shower and because uh, I, I was woke up late. And I needed to get going. So I jumped in the shower. And when I got out of the shower and I was getting ready, I heard the front door close. I was like, I missed the opportunity to even give my wife a you know, good morning kiss. I was like, oh, I missed the moment with my wife in the morning. I missed, I, I went to, to work and I had an appointment on my calendar and I went there and I had the wrong time on my calendar. <laughs> I missed my appointment. And as I'm looking at my appointment, I'm like, how did that happen? And I started looking the day before, I missed another appointment the day before. And I was like, how did I miss this? I was missing appointments. I was missing the moment everywhere. And God said, hey, that's the title of your message on Sunday. I said, I'm like, no, I'm already teaching on this. I got it, everything prepared. He's like, no, your title is don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. That's the word of the Lord to you this morning. And I, and I went and I found all kinds of scriptures that I was trying to fit into this. And I was like, eh, like I can make it work. Like I know how to make it work. But I was like, I still don't hear it. And so I just said, okay, God, what am I supposed to do with don't miss the moment? And so I'm excited to find out what God's gonna preach this morning about don't miss the moment. Because um, I don't wanna miss the moment to preach what he wants to preach this morning. Um, I say that somewhat in jest because I can show you I always have tons and tons of notes that it, to me, they do me no good when I'm up here anyways because I don't look at them. But I have lots that I've prepared, but I'm so excited that I don't have to share what I've prepared. I don't have to share those things. God has something specific this morning that he changed the script. He called an audible because there's someone else in this, in this room that he doesn't want us to miss the moment. He doesn't want us to miss the moment. There's something that God is doing. I, I love that my kids, um, they've watched the C.S. Lewis uh, Chronicles of Narnia. They've read the books and we listened to audio tapes and they watched the movies. And, and uh, we were actually coming home from the beach and they were re-watching the very first one again. And, and I love, we didn't get to the point yet, but I, I love the line in all the Chronicles of Narnia. My favorite is when the kids find out that Aslan is a lion. They haven't met him yet. And they're like, a lion? And they ask, is he safe? 
And one of the creatures is like, no, but he's good. And I love that line. It's so perfect. C.S. Lewis like nailed it. That's my God. He's not a safe God, but he's good. The fear of the Lord needs to be in our lives. I need to fear and tremble before him. I, 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 this was nowhere in my notes or where I was thinking I was going this morning either, but I, I love um, different characters in the Bible and I have favorites, just like I know I tell you all the time, I'm God's favorite. You can be his favorite too, but I, I, I'm his favorite. And so I have favorite characters in the Bible. And John the apostle, he, I like him because he says, I'm God's favorite. I'm the beloved disciple. I'm the disciple Jesus loved. That's how he talks about himself. So I relate to him, right? I'm like, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor that God loves. I'm the child that God loves. Like I, I relate to him. But so for me, I'm tied into the idea of the fear of God. You have John who's considered the closest friend. Like even in the Last Supper, the picture of the Last Supper when Jesus is having that with the meal, it says that, G, that John was laying on Jesus' chest. Like it doesn't get any more intimate than that. Like I don't know if I would ever do that with one of my guy friends. Like I do it with my wife maybe, but another guy friend, I don't know if I'd put my head on their chest and like hang out with them that way. It's kind of awkward. But John had no problem doing it in front of all his friends. Like I'm with Jesus. Like he was intimate, best friends, right? But it says that when he had an encounter with Jesus, the resurrected Christ, it says that he became like a dead man. His very best friend, when he saw him in his glory, he became like a dead man. The fear of God hit John and he fell over like a dead man. And he heard this rushing water that was the voice of God, right? He describes what he was seeing and Jesus looked different than just a human. He was in all of his glory. And there's something about that, I wanna have those encounters with Jesus. I wanna have those encounters where I'm, I'm just laying on his chest and I feel like I'm his best friend and he's just, it may sound strange again, he's stroking my head, right? He's just letting me know that, I, that he loves me and I'm just, oh, I'm being encouraged. But I also want those encounters with God where he's not stroking my head, he's showing up in all of his glory and like a dead man, I am undone. Like Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, I'm undone. There's something about that, I want those too. I want just to be in God's presence and however he's gonna show up, I just respond. So I don't wanna miss my moment. I don't wanna miss a moment when it's time to worship him in a corporate gathering and it's time to get loud and crazy. As Jen was saying, there's an opportunity sometimes to dance and get crazy. I don't wanna miss the moment when in God's presence is so thick and I just feel the weight of his glory and I just fall to my knees. I don't wanna miss a moment to respond. I don't wanna miss a moment with God. But to give you some context, I've missed a lot of moments. I've missed a lot of opportunities to do things for God. I've missed a lot of opportunities to spend time just in his presence. I know I'm not alone. That's why I'm preaching to all y'all because you've missed moments too. We've all missed moments. And I feel like the Lord this morning wants to say, some of you have missed moments that you don't even know. You're unaware of missed moments. And God is telling you this morning, don't miss your moment because you're not even aware that it, the moment is right here. It's all around you and you're not even perceiving it. You're not even recognizing it. And God is saying this morning, I wanna shake you and I want you to open your eyes and see you have a moment right before you, don't miss it. There's some of you, as I said, that we're all in this together that we've missed a moment. I kind of gave this story of me missing my family. Like there's something, it puts a lump in my throat. Like when I missed a moment to say, I love you, goodbye, you know, whatever else, like, oh, I missed it. Some of you have missed moments and there's shame and there's regret and there's guilt and there's condemnation. And God wants to tell you this morning, 
his mercies are new every morning. That every single one of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room have missed powerful moments. And God is here to say, I can make all things new. I can redeem anything. I can make a miracle out of your missed moment. Hmm, that's a good word right there. Replacing missed moments with miracle moments. So let's look at context because God did finally give me a verse and I could spend hours unpacking it. But let's turn there. It's Joshua chapter 18. There's a Bible in front of you in the pew or you can open up an app on your phone or if you bring your Bible to church, you're super spiritual, you can do that. Or you just want to bring the same, read the same translation I'm going to read. It's up on the screen behind you. Um, but I want to read to you um, from Joshua chapter 18. So in the New Living Translation, it goes this way. It says this. Now that the land was under Israelite control, the entire community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. But there remained seven tribes who had not yet been allotted their grants of land. Then Joshua asked them, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given to you? In other words, you've been missing your moment and Joshua's calling him out, don't miss your moment. Let me step back again because context is king. We're jumping into the middle of a story. This is Joshua chapter 18. This is later on in the big story of Joshua. Does anyone remember who Joshua is? Sunday school trivia, you remember who he is? Moses took the, people, the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he was gonna bring them into the promised land. And as they go, Moses sends out 12 spies to go check out the land, right? You guys remembering this, remembering the story? And 10 of them come back and say, yeah, we saw the promised land. Like, it is great. Like, these grapes are this big, right? It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I can unpack all what that means. But it's this promise, it's, this, it's better than we can have imagined. It's this great land. But these 10 spies out of the 12 say, but there's giants in the land. And we were like little peons in front of them. And it's impossible for us to push them out, so we can't do it. You guys remember who the two were, right? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb said, no, this is what God has promised us. So even though it doesn't make sense, this is our moment. This is our moment. It doesn't matter how big the enemy is. It doesn't matter how impossible it is. This is the moment that God has given us. He promised it to us. He took us all the way out of Egypt. He brought us all the way to right here. This is the moment we say, yes, God. This is the moment we partner and we agree with him, even though it doesn't make sense to the natural. I'm gonna say, this is the moment that God has brought me to, and I'm gonna step into it. Joshua and Caleb, no, the rest of the, the, rest of the people don't listen to him. So what's the result? They wander for 40 years. The entire generation has to die off and miss the moment. This thought came to my mind. I'm just going to say it. I didn't have time to think it through, and it could be a scary thought. There are some leaders, like those 10 spies, who will cause a generation to miss their moment. I have the fire and conviction in my heart that I will be a Joshua and a Caleb. I will not miss the moment. Another favorite line from the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is on the move. A phrase when I became the pastor, it just came and I just, I think I said it one time and I started replying to my emails. God is good and he's on the move. That's how I see my life. 
my generation or the time that I was born in is God is moving all around and I see it, I perceive it, and he's up to something good. I'm aware of it. I'm not gonna miss the moment of stepping into the goodness of God, of seeing the goodness of God all over my life. Yes, there might be giants. Yes, there might be difficult things where the enemy is moving, but I'm not so concerned about what the enemy is doing. I'm focused on what God is doing. Who cares? There's giants over here. I don't care. I'm not looking at the giants. I'm looking at all the things that God is doing. He's moving. And I'm, I'm aware of those things. And I'm consumed with those things. And my heart yearns for the things that God wants to do. And so I'm just thinking about those things. Those things I'm not concerned about, right? So I'm going to be a Joshua and a Caleb. And I'm going to provoke you to not miss your moment. I'm not allowing you to be a generation that wanders for 40 years. I haven't even thought this all through. This thought came to my mind, but I haven't processed it all. Joshua was ready to help. He was already one of Moses' right-hand men, right? He was already a leader, even though he was young. He was ready at a young age to lead an entire nation into the promised land. He had to wait 40 years until Moses and that whole generation died. And then Joshua was able to lead an entire nation into the promised land. Sorry, I'm processing. I was saying this out loud. My brain's doing this while I'm talking. Does anyone, I don't know. I, do it, I tell Jen, I do it all the time. Like I'm thinking through my notes. I'm thinking through all these things. I'm talking and I'm like, my brain's doing this. So it's going on right now. Just letting you in my internal. I declared the first year of becoming the pastor of this church. It's the year of Jubilee. I said, it's the year of God's favor. It's time to possess the land. I'm not gonna say that we've been wandering for 10 years as me being the pastor. I'm gonna say that like Joshua chapter 18, we've been living in the promised land. But can I be real blunt and honest? This was not prepared to say and I haven't thought this all through and how harsh it might come across. In Joshua 18, one through three, it says, half of the nation had inherited and taken possession of the promised land. And half of the nation was good and complacent to say, ah, I mean, we're like here. I don't need my own personal possession. Like I'm part of the nation. So like I'm in the promised land. I'm good, good enough. And it took Joshua in this story to say, to provoke them and say, no, you're about to miss your moment. God promised that all 12 tribes would have their own portion, would have their own land, would have their own personal property, have their own personal relationship with God, would have their own personal encounter with God. And it's not okay to come to church and enjoy just a corporate presence of God. God is saying, don't miss your personal moment. Joshua is provoking a nation. He's saying, you need your own personal encounter with God. You need your own personal way to hear God's voice. Don't miss your moment. Hmm. This whole community gathered at Shiloh. I love, I love, I don't know Greek and Hebrew, but I just, I, I took a couple classes in college and so I know a little bit and I just love going back and reading those things. And, and Shiloh, I won't do the whole thing, but Shiloh has a meaning. And, and one of the meanings of Shiloh is safety, secure. And if you do study, you'll see that 
the ark, right? It says they set up the tabernacle, the ark of God, where they worshiped God and where God's presence was. It says it was at Shiloh for the next 390 some odd years until David moved the tabernacle to Jerusalem. And then Solomon built the temple and it all was there on the Mount Moriah, right? It was a safe place and it had been there for a long time. It's interesting. I'm just letting you in. I, I'm, like I said, I'm gonna go where the Holy Spirit leads. As I heard that, that Shiloh meant safety, I right away was reminded that God gave me a dream while I was on vacation. You guys remember I was gone for three weeks and traveled and did all these things. And I, I probably had multiple dreams, but one that I recorded, I remembered, and I went back to it. And I won't do the whole details to you, but, but here's what God was telling me in the dream. I had been in the dream, I had been in a position of safety. And God was saying, it's time to get out of your position of safety. And you would think the opposite would be a, a place of taking risks, being brave and courageous. But he said, no. He said, it's time to get out of your position of safety and get into a position of receiving. Hmm. I'll tie it into this. Some of you have a desire to do things for God. It's great. You have a desire to, to win the lost. Jen was praying, right? We want to see revival. We want to go to the grocery stores. We want to see, you know, miracles, signs and wonders. We, we want that to happen. But see, I, I rem, I'm reminded that I only love other people because I first am loved. I can only love because I'm first loved. I can only first forgive other people because I first was forgiven. The book of Acts, Jesus said this way, talking to his disciples. Don't you dare try to do ministry until you first receive the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go back to Galilee and try to do where we did ministry. Don't try to do anything. Don't try to be my witnesses. Don't share your faith. Don't do anything until you first receive. And I'm being honest with you, this is just me being personal with you. I want to be used by God. And I'm saying I am being used by God. Can I, oh man, hopefully I can put a pin in this and remember how to come right back. I'm thinking about the generation of Israel that were in the wilderness for 40 years. They missed their moment to enter the promised land. But think about it. Where did they get food every single day for 40 years? From God. Did God leave them or abandon them because they missed their moment? Where do they get water? Miraculously from a rock. Where do they get their clothes? It never worn out. See how God is faithful even when you miss your moment? And I feel like God is saying that. I'm trying to come back to that. Some of us are wandering in our missed moments and God is saying, but I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm still right there with you. Yeah, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Some of us are enjoying the fruit of his faithfulness, but he's saying, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time of my favor. Stop living in a safe place of just receiving my faithfulness towards you, of never leaving you, of still protecting you, of still providing for you, even though you missed the moment. I don't know if this is making sense. Huh? I like being in a safe place. I like knowing that God's gonna take care of me. But you heard like Alyssa say during worship, in a relationship with God, 
it's not all about me getting what I want. It's about him getting what he wants. And there's things that God is calling us to that we'll never be able to do unless we first receive. We get in a position of receiving. I can't. There's some of you that have a hard time loving people because they've done lots of wrong things and bad, evil things to you. And so it's natural, right? Well, yeah, of course I'm not going to hang out with that person. Of course I'm not going to spend time with that person because they're, they're horrible. You're never going to be able to love them the way you are supposed to love them unless you get into God's presence and you receive the love of God. You receive his unconditional, overwhelming love and you're undone by his kindness, undone by his mercy, and you receive it, and it becomes real to you, and you're like, oh, now I have this, I can give it away. It's not so hard and difficult to do, because I first received it. I mean, I've heard the phrase, I grew up in the church, so I've heard it all the time. It's his kindness that leads us towards repentance. Most of the time, as a kid, hearing that, I just thought like, yeah, God's a good, like, he's a good dad. He's just kind to me. And so, like, it, he's kind to me, and then, I, and then I can repent, and I can, I can change and, and become more like him and, and say I'm sorry for the bad things I did. But it's actually maybe at a different level. It's when God is kind to me, and I don't deserve it, and I'm overwhelmed with his kindness, and I just see the lavish goodness all over my life, that when someone else is rude to me, it leads me to a place where I'm not going to give them what they deserve. Because I've received the lavish kindness of God, it's going to lead me to a place where I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to be kind to them, even though they don't deserve it. It's not because God is just so merciful and, and he doesn't hate you that he has to forgive you. It's when I receive just that abundance of kindness, I'm compelled to give that kindness to someone else. It changes me. Repentance is a change. It changes my heart's desires. My heart towards that person where I used to have hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness, it changes my heart. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Don't miss your moment. I'm not gonna go through my notes because I, I could go through just the top of my head. We could just start going through the Bible. Adam and Eve. Adam, he missed his moment to crush Satan. I mean, that slithering snake came to tempt his wife right in front of him. I don't know, this is the image I get. Adam sitting back, eating grapes, watching his wife have a conversation. I wish I could say it's pathetic, but the reality is I've done it too. In my own being a husband to my wife, where the enemies come in, I'm like, oh, what's wrong with her? How come she's listening to that lie? Instead of blaming her, I should have put on like Adam, I should have said, no, this is my moment to defend her. This is my moment to go say, devil, get the, can I say it this way? Get the hell out of my house. Adam and Eve, that's like at the very beginning, missed a moment. I can go through all the scripture. People who missed moments, one of my favorites that comes to my mind is actually Esther, the way I read this story, Esther would have missed her moment unless there was a Mordecai. And I don't know, reading the story of Mordecai, 
is an example of the Holy Spirit. Unless Mordecai had come to Esther and said, man, you're sitting in the palace while everyone else is getting ready to be slaughtered. You're afraid that you might die. Don't you know that you were born for such a time as this? But I love Mordecai's words. It's not just that born for such a time as this because we grab a hold of that one. But I love this part. He says, but if you don't step into your moment, God will raise someone else and he will deliver us. In other words, Holy Spirit was saying, don't miss your moment. Your moment is right in front of you and you were born for this. But God is a big enough God that if you're not gonna step in your moment, he still make a way. He doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. He's planned and purposed to use you. But it's your choice to step into the moment or not. Esther almost missed her moment, but she listened to her Holy Spirit. She listened to her Uncle Mordecai. I said it we're all in this room, so hopefully you're not afraid to raise your hand. Who here has ever had a prompting from the Holy Spirit? Like you felt like you were supposed to go pray for someone. You felt like maybe you were supposed to give a word in church. Maybe you're supposed to go give, do something. The Holy Spirit was telling you to do something and you wrestled and you thought about it and you reasoned with it. And then the time that you could have done it passed by and you never did it. Who here has ever missed your moment? Good, I'm not the only one raising my hand. See, there's, can I say it this way? There's times where missing those types of moments, I don't want to say they're not big deals. They're, everything's a big deal. Everything the Holy Spirit wants to do is a big deal. But there are some moments that are bigger than others. Can I say it that way? If Moses would have missed his moment to go pursue a strange fire, we wouldn't be reading about him today. God would have raised somebody else up, but it's very clear Moses was supposed to be the deliverer. I mean, he was perfectly planned to be raised in the palace for 40 years, right? To know the language, to know the culture, all these things. I mean, it's obvious that that's who it's supposed to be. But in the moment before the burning bush, Moses thought he was the last person on the planet. I'm a chicken, I'm a murderer, I'm not qualified, I stutter, right? But there's something about it where he pursued this fire. And I, it was not a Freudian slip that I said strange fire because there are some people that say what we do as a Pentecostal church is strange fire. But I'm not gonna miss my moment to, like Moses to pursue a strange fire. Because it wasn't just about Moses leading the Israelites out. If you read the story, Moses was a changed man. He didn't get all of his leadership qualifications from being raised in a palace for 40 years. It came in the twinkling of an eye. It came in an encounter with a burning bush and taking his sandals off. He was on holy ground and God speaking to him and revealing himself to Moses. That God changed Moses. And still he had to walk it out. It was a process, but something happened in an encounter that changed Moses forever. Can I say a little bit of this is that? What happened up at our youth camp this last weekend? There was some youth, there was some leadership that had a moment with God that I'm saying they were forever changed. They still in a process of walking it out. Moses still had to walk things out. He still was in this process of becoming a leader, but in that moment, something changed and he had to keep 
keep going after it. There's something that happened up at camp that was great. It happened again on Wednesday night. There were some parents that came forward, got prayer. They had an encounter with God. Something changed. They didn't miss their moment. But it's again, now walking out all those next moments in front of you. I love scripture. It says that he's prepared good things beforehand that we might walk in them. God will never force you to do anything. But praise God, his mercies are new this morning to give you a new moment. Where I could have missed a moment over and over again, but praise God, today it's a new moment. And he changed all this morning's message for you. There's someone in this room that I, I'm believing the Holy Spirit is talking personally to you. It's not just, Joshua wasn't talking to all the Israelites. He was talking to those that missed their moments. Half of them, they already had their moment. Joshua was singling out. God this morning is singling you out. Don't miss your moment. Hmm. All right. Talk about those stories. All right, maybe one more verse. Isaiah 43, 19. It's a popular one. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Other translations, behold. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I love this about God, right? I talked last week about change. There's no shadow of turning with God. He does not change. I'll say what I kind of said again. He's perfect, so he can't change. He can't get any better because he's already perfect. And he can't get worse because he wouldn't be perfect. So he can't change, but he's always doing something new. He's always wanting to pour new wine into new wineskin. The old wineskin can't hold new wine. So because God is perfect and he does not change, therefore, we as his people, we have to change. And in order to change, we have to, right, receive New wine. And can we only receive new wine if we're new wineskins. If God does something to renew us, to make us new. So this is, yes, I'm gonna say, this is for salvation. There's someone in this room, maybe today's the day of salvation. Today's the day you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Some of you, maybe you're already a Christian. You've been following God for 50 years. God is doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? Are you recognizing that God is doing something today in this season? Oh man, I don't have time to unpack all that, but there's Greek words for that, right? There's two words for time, chronos, which is like, it's 1150, pastor better wrap up a sermon, soon to be 12, that's chronos, figuring out chronologically time. Then there's another Greek word, kairos, an opportune time. It's time to change. It's time to receive, right? It's a Kairos moment. Don't miss your Kairos moment. So I'll just say this then, I guess. I'll be real bold. There's someone in this room, you're supposed to get saved today. Today's the day that God has made a Kairos moment for you to be here 
on this very day to hear this message because he loves you so much that today's the day you're supposed to say, I need a real relationship with God. There's someone in this room. Man, it was said during worship and everything. Alyssa said it, breakthrough. You've been praying and praying and praying and praying and you've lost heart. And God is saying, don't you dare miss your moment to pray one more time. Don't you dare miss your moment to trust me one more time. Someone's supposed to get physically healed today. Someone's got, can I just be real, man? I'll just be bold. You've got a mental problem. And I, I mean this in a sincere way. Your mind is plagued with thoughts that you don't want in there. And God is saying, today is the day he wants to move mountains. He wants to make this a miracle moment. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time of his favor. Okay, I'm going to be real and honest. Someone's supposed to get saved today. Someone's supposed to be physically healed today. Someone's supposed to have your mind renewed today. I say it this way, I, I could just keep going down a list of calling out single things, but this is what the Lord reminded me. I heard a pastor say this months ago, that God has called us to be fishers of men. As a disciple of Christ, I'm supposed to fish men. And we can go fishing with bait, where I throw a line out there and a hook, and I put some bait on the end, and only fish that are hungry will get caught. A fish that isn't hungry is going to look at that food and say, I ain't hungry, I ain't interested. But we are in a season, we are in a Kairos moment. And I'm saying today, don't miss, I'm preaching to myself, don't miss your moment. I'm about ready to throw the net out wide. Instead of throwing one single hook and trying to get one person here that's hungry, when you throw a net into the water, it doesn't matter if the fish is hungry or not. Whatever fish is in the area, that net is just bringing them all in. There's an opportunity to bring many into the presence of God today. To have an encounter with God today. Since I was bold to kind of call you out, I'm gonna be bold to call myself out. Our theme verse for this year, Joshua 24. Choose this day whom you're gonna serve. As for me and my family, we're gonna serve the Lord. I make that as a declaration over this church, but I make it a declaration over myself. So as the worship team comes up, so the worship team gets ready and they're coming up here and they're gonna start playing the music. We always end the service one last song, but it's gonna be a little different today. If you didn't notice last week, a sermon on change. I don't know if anyone noticed, the blinds are up today. I don't know, last time we had a service with our windows and sunlight coming through. God's doing something new, do you perceive it? Are you recognizing it? There's something God is doing today. 
And in just a second, I'm gonna have some leadership team come up front like every Sunday and end with an opportunity to come get prayer. But this is not an every Sunday moment. Don't you dare miss your moment Sunday. If you, I'm just gonna throw the net out. If you want an encounter with God, don't miss your moment. If you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you have that physical problem, you had a mental problem, this is your moment. It's everyone is supposed to come respond to this being your moment. But I feel as the worship team is getting ready, I feel prompted. It's not a coincidence. That last Sunday, the youth, pretty much every single one of them, had a radical encounter with God's presence. On Wednesday, parents were here to hear, and most of the parents had a radical encounter with God. But today, you're here. Today, you have an opportunity to respond. And I'm being like real. I'm calling myself out. Up at camp, every youth and every leader got to have a radical encounter with God. I had the privilege of leaving camp early and coming being with you guys last Sunday. I'm believing I didn't miss my moment. Because my moment is today. And so as a good shepherd, I will lead you. I'm not going to be the first one to pray over you. I'm going to be the first one to get prayed over. Because I don't want to miss my moment. I'm going to keep being bold. My wife's going to put her mic down and she's going to come with me right now. And I'm going to ask for the leadership team to come up and pray over the pastor and his wife to have a radical encounter with God. And then I'm believing I'm going to have a radical encounter. I don't get to lead you anymore. You get to respond to the invitation. The net is being thrown out. He's catching a hungry one right here. He'll catch whoever wants to respond. So leadership team, come on up. You get to pray over me and I'm done talking.
If you feel that tug on your heart and you don't really know what it's for, but you need prayer or you just want to be closer, I encourage you to come up or to be in a, a different position of worship or a different heart of worship than you've had before, even if it's just from your seat. But now's the time. Don't miss your moment. Just 
dies down Lord speak to me now you have all my attention I will linger and listen can't miss a thing Lord I know my heart wants more of you my heart wants something new so I surrender So 